This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. Since the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, we've been following the science behind reproductive health. Sci-fi producer Shoshana Buxbaum, who's been focusing on reproductive health, joins me now to talk about a key option for healthy reproduction, contraception. Hi, Shoshana. Hi, Ira. I've been thinking a lot about how often contraception fails, how difficult it can be to access, and what this all means now that tens of millions of women live in states where abortion is a crime. And in order to help piece this together, I've enlisted the reporting expertise of Sarah Varney, senior correspondent with Kaiser Health News. She's a longtime health reporter who focuses on reproductive health. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks. Good to be here. So since the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade, some medical clinics have seen a spike in demand for more effective birth control. But you've been reporting on a very important fact. No contraceptive is 100 percent effective. That's exactly right. And I wanted to gauge just how many unplanned pregnancies can occur because contraception doesn't work flawlessly. So my first call was to a physician and researcher who wrote the textbook on contraceptive failure rates. Mitchell Crennan. I am a professor and director of the Complex Family Planning Fellowship at the University of California, Davis. I put to Dr. Crennan an argument I've heard during my reporting on abortion. And we had this idea, I think, that contraception should never fail, that there shouldn't be a need for abortion, perhaps, because people can always prevent pregnancy. When someone gets into their car, they don't go out and say, I think I'm going to get in a car accident today. The reason cars have seatbelts and airbags is because stuff happens even when we try our best not to have it happen. Same thing with using contraception. I asked Dr. Crennan to do some math with the failure rates of some of the most commonly used contraceptives. In his textbook, Crennan distinguishes between typical use and perfect use. That's when contraception is used without any error. There is no such thing as perfect use. We are all real-life users. And for real-life users in real-life circumstances, the failure rate for oral contraceptives is 7%. Here's the simple math. There was one million women in the United States using a birth control pill, for example. At the end of one year, 70,000 unplanned pregnancies would occur in people saying, I'm using a birth control pill to prevent pregnancy. More than six and a half million women of childbearing age use oral contraceptive pills. That means the potential of about 460,000 unplanned pregnancies each year. And if that seems like a high number, wait until you hear about condoms. The typical failure rate is double that of oral contraceptives, 13%. Right. And that's still better than not using anything, but... That would mean for a million couples using condoms, there would be 130,000 unplanned pregnancies within one year. And even the most effective forms of birth control are no guarantee. The IUD, or hormonal intrauterine device, releases a hormone that thickens the mucus on the cervix, creating a barrier for sperm. There are electron microscope studies that show the sperm just kind of hit this brick wall of mucus and can't get past it. Copper IUDs work a bit differently. The high concentration of copper kills the sperm. Another highly effective method is an implant placed under the skin of the upper arm that slowly releases a hormone that prevents the ovaries from releasing an egg. Hormonal IUDs have that typical use failure rate of about 0.1 to 0.4, and copper IUDs have a typical use failure rate of about 0.8. Nearly 5 million women in the U.S. rely on IUDs and implants, which means that even for those using top-notch birth control, 
up to 19,000 will become pregnant within a year. At the Planned Parenthood in Little Rock, Arkansas, nurse practitioner Gordon Lowe has treated these shocked patients. We have had women come through here for abortions who uh, had an IUD in, and they were the one in a thousand. Abortion has been completely outlawed in Arkansas since the Supreme Court's ruling in late June. The only exception is when the death of a pregnant woman is imminent. There is nothing that is 100% effective short of never having sex. That is it. All right, Sarah, you just walked us through some really sobering stats. But why can't scientists develop a contraceptive that works all the time, every time? That was my question exactly. I called up one of the world's leading researchers on contraception and asked her that question. Well, first, I would say that in medicine, there is never any 100%. (laughs) This is Regine Citric-Ware. I'm a reproductive endocrinologist, and I work at the Population Council in New York. Dr. Citric-Ware says an IUD might fail because the healthcare provider didn't place the device properly, or... In other situations, you can have people who take specific drugs for other disease that would interfere with the molecule, the hormones that is in the system. And therefore, this contraceptive is less active. And so there is a failure. For example, some HIV and tuberculosis medications and even the herbal supplement St. John's Wort can intervene in the processing of certain birth control pills. And then there's just daily life, which is hectic. The perfect use is always very difficult. You may have delay in in taking your next pill or delay in inserting the next month of the vaginal ring. And then there are factors like weight. Certain emergency contraception, including Plan B, may not work in people who weigh more than 165 pounds because the single dose of hormone is weight-dependent. Even vasectomies have a failure rate. Here's Dr. Crennan again. A vasectomy is removing a small part of the tube that takes the sperm from the storage facility that's right above the testicle where all the sperm that is made is stored. And the body naturally wants to heal. That's right. If you get a cut on your finger and you just put a Band-Aid over it, the skin seals back up. So if you have a gap in a tube, the body naturally wants it to grow back together. And that's one of the ways in which it fails. For now, vasectomies and condoms are the only birth control options for men. But Dr. Citric Ware is developing a new method, a gel that a man applies to his shoulders, where the skin is thinner and generally less hairy, that can temporarily block sperm production. At this stage, we saw really good acceptability by the couple and uh, no pregnancy so far. About 350 couples are in the transdermal gel study so far, And Dr. Citric Ware is on track to begin a large-scale trial next year. You've come much further in the development of a new male contraceptive than people have in decades. There's always been this promise of of a male contraceptive. Is the difficulty in developing male contraception more of a scientific problem, or is it more of a social or a cultural one? I think we can see all of it. Scientifically, it takes more time to suppress the sperm production 90 days, then suppressing ovulation in women, which is every month. Also, it's a social situation where the male contraception is taken by the man, but if there is a failure, his female partner is at risk of pregnancy. But this type of male contraception is still a long way away from hitting pharmacy shelves. And there have been so many fits and starts in this area of research. 
But there are other dynamics at play here, too. And Sarah, you looked into something that many straight women may be familiar with, but don't talk about publicly. Yeah. You know, we talked about condom use earlier, and getting a partner to use a condom can require negotiation or persuasion. Those are skills that Jennifer Evans, an assistant teaching professor at Northeastern University, studies closely. So selfing or non-consensual condom removal is where one partner puts on a condom but then removes the condom either before or during sexual intercourse without the other partner's knowledge or consent. When I spoke to Evans, I had just been interviewing girls about teen pregnancy for another story. One of the teens described how a guy pretended to rip the condom wrapper open but then apparently never used it. She became pregnant and now has a four-month-old baby. A lot of these stealthing cases, women don't necessarily know that the condom has been used improperly. It means that they can't engage in any kind of preventative behaviors like taking a plan B or even going and getting an abortion in a timely manner. In any of your research, have you asked men what their motivation would be to even do this? Generally, what we find in the research and the literature says that, you know, men usually engage in this behavior whenever they have a more severe history of sexual aggression towards women or that men are doing it for the thrill of engaging in a behavior that they know is not okay. And a lot of them also report that they do it from a physical pleasure standpoint. The consequences were already severe before, but now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, I would argue that they're they're even more worse right now. I mean, that's just sort of heartbreaking in a lot of ways. Contraception is really more complicated than I'd previously thought. And of course, unfortunately, no conversation about American health care would be complete without some nod to how many people struggle to get even the basic care that they need. So how does that whole dynamic affect access to birth control? There are 7.9 million women of reproductive age in the U.S. who are uninsured, so they have no coverage for birth control. The states that have banned or severely restricted abortion in general have far higher rates of people without health insurance. That includes Texas, where one in five people have no health coverage. Alina Selganikov is the director of women's health policy at the Kaiser Family Foundation. She has spent decades studying this issue. We have a patchwork of uh, programs and services that provide contraceptive care in the United States. We have private insurance, we have Medicaid, we also have the federal Title X family planning program. But Selganikov says this patchwork has gaps. Not everyone has private insurance or Medicaid or lives near one of these federally funded clinics that provide free or low-cost birth control. So there is definitely cases where this women fall through the gaps and lose coverage and have problems accessing and affording birth control. So, Sarah, we've covered a lot of ground here, how the numbers of unintended pregnancy adds up when birth control fails, a possible male contraceptive, and the difficulties of navigating sexual relationships. So has the overturn of Roe v. Wade affected access to birth control? We're starting to get some hints from around the country of of how the court's ruling might affect birth control. I spoke to several clinic directors in Arkansas, for example, who are no longer prescribing emergency contraception because they're not sure how the state's abortion ban will be enforced. And recently, the University of Idaho issued legal guidance to faculty and staff that they can no longer offer any birth control to students. Condoms can only be provided, quote, for the purposes of helping prevent the spread of STDs, 
but not for birth control. This is something we'll be following closely. Thanks so much, Sarah. Oh, thank you, Shoshana. Sarah Varney is a senior correspondent with Kaiser Health News, and I'm Shoshana Buxbaum. If you want to dig deeper into the data on contraceptive failure rates and read more of Sarah's reporting, go to sciencefriday.com slash contraception. <laughs> 